So for our series of the ADC Autoridade Concurrência Competition Talks with leading experts, we have today Professor Pedro Pita Barros, Professor of Economics at Nova School of Business and Economics uh, from the Universidade Nova de Lisboa. Uh, Pedro, welcome. Uh, Pedro Pita Barros is a leading expert in health economics in Portugal. His research focuses on health economics, regulation and competition policy and covers many different topics including health expenditure determinants, waiting lists, bargaining in healthcare, competition po uh, uh, policy in Portugal and the EU among others. Pedro has published extensively in highly ranked scientific journals as well as several books on health economics. One more recently, co uh, he co-authored the book entitled Health Economics and IO Perspective. Pedro is also well known for his prolific role in discussing relevant health policy issues, mastering the bridge between policy and academia. Pedro, welcome to the ADC. It, it is a privilege to have this competition talk with you. Um, given your wide um, knowledge of the Portuguese uh, health sector, sector, I would like to start with a broad and challenging question. Um, Pedro, could you please share with us uh, uh, what you think are the main challenges in terms of competition in the health sector in Portugal today? Okay, thanks, for, first of all, for the kind of invitation for this podcast. And um, to answer a broad question, the best way is to have a broad answer. And the broad answer will be, uh, the first challenge is to identify exactly where can the competition authority intervene, which is trickier than it seems because we have a national health service which by itself precludes a lot of actions that will be done by the competition authority normally. The second challenge is whether the NHS can benefit from the intervention of the competition authority as well and how it can benefit there. And that uh, also requires some care in understanding what are the key points where the NHS could actually have more competition and how could it have. That is a, an interest that we obviously share with you, understanding where can we have a, a proactive role through either competition policy enforcement, but also through advocacy. In one of your recent paper, papers published in the Health Policy Journal and addressing competition for health care provision in Portugal, you mentioned that in most of the national health service there is no competition in the market. Can you please explain your conclusions on this, please? Sure. This actually helps to explain better the previous answer. Because uh, when we have a national health service, you have, by definition of national health service, catchment areas for intervention of primary care and hospitals, which obviously takes out the role of competition between those units inside the NHS. Uh, that means that competition in the market for primary care services and for hospital services within the NHS are basically not possible, or at least not produced in the same way as you see in other markets. So that leaves out other points where you can have some competition in the market. Uh, one of them is the first contact of the patient. And in, in that sense, we can see uh, the potential for some competition. But actually what we see is that most of the patients have been choosing either within the public sector or within the private sector where to go and not necessarily transforming demand on one side to the other side, so putting them in competition. Mm -hmm. and, and then we have other areas where actually you don't have competition in the market, but there's com competition for the market with tendering procedures in several parts. And it's because the NHS also tries to get suppliers uh, in a way that brings them down on cost, which is a major concern. And so using tendering procedures for that actually creates more competition for the market more than in the market. That's basically the reason why I say that in the NHS, we don't see too much competition in the market or there is only limited competition in the market. This being said, there are situations nowadays, in the, namely in the hospital sector, where the government is initiating, uh, or initiated already, um, a, a free choice initiative where the primary care doctor and the patient can select more or less freely 
the hospital to which the patient will be directed. Uh, and the first figures that point to that 10% of the patients want to take advantage of that. But here, competition will be driven by waiting times and for the, by the knowledge of the doctor, and not so much by issues like not market supply prices or other, or other aspects of that part. I guess you're referring actually to, to the legislative initiative of May 2016, yeah. which introduced uh, further elements of, of patient choice. And, and not really patient choice, let me correct on that, because it needs to be the patient with the doctor. Yes, it's so a combined. It's, so it's a combined, so it's not really patient choice. Now, picking up on, 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 the, um, on the competition for the market point, um, uh, you were highlighting just before the relevance of using tendering procedures in order to co uh, create competition for the market. And you highlight the relevance of properly designing these tender procedures. And indeed, we couldn't agree more that both the design of the awarding procedure and the contract, the design of the contract itself, uh, are key for efficiency in any public procurement uh, procedure. Uh, can you share with us your insights for ensuring competition for the market in NHS, NHS uh, tendering procedures? This is what are the keys for a good design of the procedures? Well, one of the major elements is the ability of the tender procedure to attract several bidders and not a very limited set of them, number of ones. And the second thing is if you are going to have a repeated procedure, procurement procedure over time, so having a procedure for this year, another one for next year, and so on, you, they, you need to take into account that having a very tough procedure this year in terms of pricing, being too strict on price, or eventually awarding all the quantity only to one company, may decrease the number of bidders in the first coming years. Okay. So you may be sacrificing more competition in the future for some little more competition today. Mm -hmm. And this balance needs to, to be made. So that's one first element that needs to be in the, into the design. The second element that's, that needs to be into the design, it's actually more related to the contract, is that uh, the selection of the winning bid or, the, or the, the, the guy that's going to provide the service or the sell the good needs to actually respect conditions that ensure that he's not going to be bankrupt in the middle of the procedure. Mm -hmm. And that is, in a sense, it will hand held the NHS hostage of his bad financial condition or something mm -hmm. of the sort. Because otherwise it will be very easy for someone to just present a very low bid, proposing mm -hmm. to supply a service at a very low cost, and then at the mid, mid of the year says, I cannot do it anymore, I need more money. Exactly. And you need to avoid these sort of things. And uh, uh, we had bad examples in the past where one tender procedure for certain type of uh, service actually went wrong. Fortunately, the contract was badly designed, but then uh, there was the credibility of not renegotiating. Mm -hmm. At least was the good thing. Mm -hmm. But it, it shows that it, it can go bad as well, so it needs to be done carefully. The attractiveness for, the, for each government in each point in time of trying to minimize its expenditures in that year could put a bias towards uh, more competition today at the cost of more competition tomorrow. And it's not clear what is the counterbalance in government decisions about this. Mm -hmm. And that's probably one point where uh, more attention should be given and then probably where the competition authority could give at least some um, highlights, warnings, uh, conversations, informal talks, whatever you think. Can I pick up on that? <laughs> because uh, say, uh, <laughs> informal advice could be something that could be used more in certain of these things, because the, they have experience of only using procedures um, inside the health sector, and, but uh, suppliers will behave in the health sector as in other sectors. So can, they can certainly benefit from an overview of how these things mm -hmm. could work better. Um, now, uh, moving on to, to the next, next point, um, you were, uh, we were just discussing before um, the, the, the elements or of, of little 
patient, patient or, or combined patient uh, uh, provider choice that was introduced with the May 2016 initiative. Um, and you qualify this as a starting point for competition in the market between NHS hospitals. Uh, what can you tell us about the scope for, for introducing further elements in this regard? Well, more competition could be done in hospitals or in primary care. On the hospital side, uh, one um, thing or one aspect to be uh, treated before you can actually introduce much more competition than the limited elements so far is what do you do, what the government does, with the hospitals that are not selected by patients slash doctors. Because if those hospitals cannot go bankrupt, cannot disappear, cannot change management even, um, then not being selected has no cost for them. And competition is based on the idea that you reward merit by choosing, and the ones that are not chosen actually have to exit the market. And here you don't have a mechanism to exit the market. And so having competition without exit from the market when not being selected is something that was going to be strange. At least it was going to give odd results. It may be that the hospital, knowing that it's not going to be out of the market, may prefer not to have patients there and actually try to export them to another uh, hospital. And so the, the ability to have competition will, will depend a lot, in my view, on the ability to, for the government to say what happens if a hospital is not selected. could be uh, just a change of management, some penalty for managers, uh, some uh, say wage decrease for all the employees there. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It has to be sort of. needs to be an answer from the government side on that part. On the primary care uh, and patient choice, the, um, the scope for competition is... Um, is limited by another element that we want to still have in primary care. That is that patients do not switch too much between doctors because we want to build a relationship between the patient and the doctor so that the knowledge accumulates about the patient. And the knowledge in primary care is not only what you can record in electronic medical rock records, even if the doctor records everything that he does, it does not transmit all the knowledge that he acquires from the patient. And building up a long-term relationship with a patient is not really compatible with patients changing doctors every year. And so competition here has to be, uh, to be seen as, as uh, how can we have some shifts of patients and how can we make small numbers of patients moving, actually influencing how uh, primary care providers behave, in particular how family doctors behave. And so this is something that we actually don't have much knowledge about, how much change of patients is needed so that medical doctors react to it. And that will be key because you could have, if you have 5% of patients moving and the other 95% keeping a long-term relationship and that's sufficient for primary care doctors to care, to improve quality of care for all of them, it's good. If you need to have 60% of the patients moving before they react, then it's almost hopeless because it's going, you're going to destroy the relationships. So that's actually when, uh, a nice area of research that will require some time to understand and to study and that demands information that we don't really we researchers at university, mm -hmm. let's say, um, but, could be, but it's really an interesting um, area of research and probably of interest for the areas of competition in primary care. Indeed, and I guess that big data issues can, can bring some... Not totally, because big data will tell you uh, how, much, how, much, how much time did the doctor spend with the patient and probably will tell you how much procedures did the doctor order to see of the patient, how often the patient was there, uh, eventually for uh, how long uh, was each, each meeting and so on, but it will not tell you the feeling of the doctor about the patient. So in this sort of discussions of relationship between patients and doctors, one doctor was saying not long ago that sometimes the way a patient complains about uh, something can be 
kind of first element to trace down whether the patient has depression or not. Mm -hmm. So if he, if he complains about the tax system, the way he complains about the tax system could actually be an indication that something else is going on in his mind. And that's true, it will not be in the data record. <laughs> that will not be in the data record. So, and the, and the, but if you have a patient that every week complains about that, or every time that goes there, complains in the same way about it, it does not change, then in that patient it will not be an indication of anything, but will be in another one. Maybe one day we'll have robots that will take the big data and record the, all the conversations, and then we'll be able to use artificial intelligence to understand the patterns and have the big data working there. But that's kind of scary. <laughs> Indeed. Well, it's interesting to, to, to listen uh, about the limitations of big data, for once. And that the discussion now is more about, about the potential and, and never about the limitations. Now, my final question, Pedro, regards hospital mergers. The Autoridade da Concorrência has jurisdiction over mergers between private hospitals. And a merger's assessment focuses not only on price, uh, but also, whenever relevant, on quality effects. But this can be a really, real challenge when one is reviewing a hospital merger. What approach do you think competition authorities should take in this regard? Uh, first step, review all the quality measures that have been used in a hospital environment. There's a lot of them, and then think which ones can be traceable to have some relationship with merger effects or not. And uh, probably going to have consider a set of measures and not only on a measure of quality. Because uh, quality will be very different if you talk about emergency services, uh, where probably time to, to treat the patient will be very important. It's going to be different if you have uh, uh, problems like stroke or heart attacks, where the uh, survival and mortality will be the typical indicators of quality. You're going to have orthopedics, where probably the quality of measure will be how functional is the patient after the intervention. You're going to have uh, mental health, which probably will take three to four years before you can have any reliable measure of the quality of the treatment given to the patient, given it's typically long-term treatments. So you'll not be able to have one single measure of quality, you're going to have several ones. And the tricky part will be for some services of the hospitals, the effect on quality can be actually long-term. So uh, the usual uh, things like readmissions and, uh, and survival rates and so on can be used, but need to take a grain of salt in some specialities where you don't have much of that part. Uh, say orthopedics and mental health are clearly two e good examples, but I'm sure there are other ones that, uh, that will be present in the hospital activity that we should take in into account on the on side of quality. Also depends a lot when the, whether the hospital is a major uh, emergency room department or not, because otherwise, uh, if it does not have a huge emergency uh, uh, department, it means that most of the patients will be ad admitted patients through some sort of referral or some sort of uh, first screening, and then... Uh, Probably the quality of what they can do will depend a lot on the on the what is the patient state to go in. So the quality measures will have to take into account the mix of patients that actually arise there. In a sense, if you have a merger with a high-end hospital with a, with a medium-end hospital, you're going to change the quality mix of them. And the way that that thing will change with the merger will um, affect the way you should interpret the, the quality indicators that you have. In particular, if you have a merger, that actually means that some patients. So I'd say the milder patients don't need to reach the hospital and are treated in at the lower level. It means that the average mix of the hospital gets worse and so probably is going to get higher mortality because it's receiving an average number of patients that is more serious. And that cannot be considered as a lower quality because it's changing the input itself. And so accounting for these different features, how the different types of 
interventions that, that are done and what is the, the way patients arrive to the hospital and what is the composition of those patients will create uh, several problems uh, that the competition authorities should uh, look into carefully. It was a pleasure and to have the opportunity to have this competition uh, talk with you. Thank you for sharing all these uh, insights uh, with, with us. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you.